Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Welcome to the Pants Party. My name is Jerry Sherwin. I am a blogger for Blackheart Gold Pants. And joining me on the other end, his favorite part about football is the whiffed punts. It's managing editor Ben Ross. Ben, what's going on today? Hello, Jerry. How are we doing today? Oh, it is a not-so-glorious day in Florida. I am trying to figure out when, what, and where I'm going to do with my apartment, my cars, and when I'm going to get the hell out of town. Because I don't know if you've heard, but there's a there's a hurricane on the way. Uh, I'll have you know, Jerry, I just got back from a bachelor party in Key West, and let me tell you, I could not get out of that city fast enough. So th- this is quite interesting to me, because you were talking about it on our Slack thing that we have for all of us uh, bloggers at the site. And what was it about Key West? Because the first day you loved it. You were very excited about having open container walking around. What was it by the second and third day that you just had enough? Oh, uh, it, it, there's no rules. There's no laws. It's 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 the most hedonistic city I've ever been to. It's just too much of a good thing everywhere. And it uh, it got to me. It broke me. It, picked, it uh, chewed me up and spit me out. I know I'm not the only person in my bachelor party who booked an earlier flight out because we 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 just couldn't handle it. Then also on top of all that, it's the hottest place I've ever been to in my entire life. You're just constantly sweating. Yeah, nothing in Florida feels good until December, and then by the time December's over, you're already sweating again. It's the worst. Yeah, the I worst. could not live there. So you even got the flight a day before you're supposed to go home. That bad. Yeah, I paid through the nose, but I'm really. We had friends who uh, people in our party were stranded in Miami because uh, their flights got canceled because of the weather. So we are lucky we got out when we did because there's a good chance I might still be there, and that is not something I needed right now in my life. Yeah, definitely not. You would have had to get on a car and head your way my way, and then we would have had to figure it out together. With that said, though, Key West, how did you watch the Iowa game with Wyoming, and what were your initial thoughts from actual football from the Hawkeyes? Uh, We found a great little sports bar. I think it was called Cowboy Flats. I'm not sure. It was on the main strip. But anyway, they put on the the Iowa game for us. Um, Everybody at the bachelor party was a Hawkeye. We even found some Iowa natives there watching the game, too, who had moved, transplanted down the Key West. We watched on a big, uh, great big projector screen. Overall, I was pretty happy with, uh, you know, it might have been the yingling talking and little shampoo effect but overall you know i had very little warts to pick out from the game i was even you know happy with the way uh, nate stanley played even though you know there are some detractors but i think he played about as well as he could in your first game given everything and my biggest probably complaint or gripe is was maybe the play of the offensive line but that's sort of what you expect when your your center is out and you're doing some reshuffling on the left side of the line. All things considered, infinitely more good things to say than bad on my end. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Nate Stanley, I think there were, like you said, there were some detractors and people that were a little bit nervous, um, borderline panicky 
about some of the stuff that he saw. But when you're getting pressure in your face, like he saw, and you have somebody like James Daniels out at the center position, that completely changes what Stanley's used to going from under center. The calls are a little bit different. Things change right up front that really kind of just changed the whole dynamic of what they were expecting to do, especially from the get-go. I think that gets cleaned up, especially this week with Daniels coming back. Guys, he's one of the best centers in all of college football for a reason. And you can't just replace that willy-nilly. I know Iowa produces linemen all the time, but that definitely has an effect on a quarterback that is taking his first real snaps um, in his career. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got him calling audibles. I mean, I I, I assume that the, the coaching staff told Stanley to keep the audibles at an absolute minimum if they even let him at all with, with James Daniels out, uh, not in there calling out the defense and making some reads for uh, for Stanley. I mean, you said it's not what he's used to. I, I'm going to argue he's not used to anything at all, really, since his first start, and that is just not something he wanted to see in his first game. I mean, we, we protected pretty well. He should have expected it. All things considered, if it wasn't for the egregious fumbles, the game wouldn't have been even as close as it was, in my opinion. Do you think he showed enough with a couple of the past passes to, I mean, basically it was Noah Fant, Vandenberg, and Nick Easley. Do you think he showed enough in the passing game to make you take your expectations down a little bit? Are are you worried about him against Iowa State? What are you kind of expecting to see from here on out from Nate Stanley? He's Nate Stanley when he's good. Mm -hmm. Well, on the touchdown passes, the the one to Fant, I mean, he was the only receiver who could catch it. And you could say something about Easley, but when I see it, I mean... It looked like Easley was pretty well covered, and Stanley might have done a on a women a prayer for that pass. But also, I mean, what do I know? He he might have known that he he had enough. He definitely showed the arm strength, and uh, that Easley touchdown that catch was great. I thought he was pretty well blanketed, and it might have been an ill advised throw. But like I said, I really know nothing. I think I saw a lot more promise out of Stanley than maybe when I when we saw Rudock take his first snaps a couple years ago. He has the arm strength uh, is superior to that of Rudock, and I think he showed he can make just about every throw that he's going to be asked to make. And if a Fant and Easley and Vandenberg can keep getting this kind of separation, it's really not nearly as worrisome as I was even a week ago. Yeah, that's a great point on the Rudock thing because I think you're right. Stanley showed the ability to deliver on the fastball and he had a little touch too and I think that was something out of camp that a lot of the coaches were worried about that he did not have that touch and um, I think Noah Fant would definitely agree with us that it's definitely there. Absolutely and uh, Fant even dropped a pass I think would have gone for 20 or 30 or 40 yards in the first half I don't really remember but there were a couple drops and we're definitely used to that but uh, Stanley's stat line would have looked even better if it wasn't for a drop or two that we saw. Absolutely. Where were you with the running game? I know we kind of touched on the offensive line. I think that had something to do with it as well. Akram Wadley still went over the 100-yard mark. James Butler, to me, looked as though he definitely had more yards than 47 total. Um, I liked the way he ran a little bit more than Wadley. Wadley was dancing a little too much for my liking. Um, he ended up, you know, going for that that long run when it was third and twenty one or whatever. But what were your what were your thoughts on the overall running game this week? Uh, I agree, hundred percent. Saw a little too much dancing out of Wadley, but again. I think that's what we're going to continue seeing if James Butler is certainly going to be seen as the power back. I think Wadley's going to do all the dancing he wants or he can, and I'm, I'm fine with that as long as as long as long it works. I, overall, uh, we'd like to see, obviously, 900 rushing yards out of, out of this team against a defense like Wyoming, but I think it was uh, well above average. I'm a little surprised that Wyoming didn't even respect the pass even more with uh, the way that we scored. 
they're committing seven, eight, nine guys to the box, which is standard, I guess, when you have two NFL caliber running backs in the backfield potentially. But uh, I agree. Uh, I think we'll see. But- I think we'll see Butler get a few more carries. What about the end with twenty-two carries? That sounds about right. Uh, he had twenty-four carries. Butler had ten. And oh, R.I.P. Amir Smith Marset. See in twenty eighteen. That is uh, not how you want your debut to go as a Hawkeye. But yeah, I think if it was working, I mean, they still both Butler averaged four point seven yards a carry. Wadley averaged four point eight. I mean, that's just gravy. Maybe they get closer to more even rushes. I'm not sure. But uh, right now, you know, again, really really no complaints out of the running backs. And once James Daniels is back on the line, and once Alaric Jackson at left tackle maybe gets into a rhythm for himself, we'll see the running game like we did last year. Where were you with the hot topic of Brian Ferentz's offense? Do you think that he kept some stuff to the, you know, close to the chest or was this kind of what we should expect moving forward? I think he certainly kept things close to the vest. Uh, Iowa always does up until the Big Ten season. And I mean, honestly, we didn't really need to break anything out. Didn't we have a, a tight end sweep from Fant that that went? We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who, who, how, when was the last time we saw that? Um uh, so I don't know if he really did keep anything close to the vest. I think he just saw the way the game was going, what would work, what wouldn't work, and the need to break out any of the the gadget plays, so to speak, to beat Wyoming. And uh, I certainly think we we might see. I well, I don't think a single pass went towards either Butler or Wadley. Uh, I don't remember running back. Ever. I think maybe a fullback was targeted, but may, I think we'll certainly try and hopefully see a wheel route out of Wadley for Iowa State this weekend. But other than that, you know, I think. I have no problems with the play calling. Wins a win. No, absolutely. I, I agree with you. I think the, the running backs are going to definitely be more involved this week with the passing game. Let's transition over to the guys, the position group that actually was quite impressive, a little more impressive than I think anybody expected. The Iowa defense. Who was your star of the game that's not named Josie Jewell? Uh, honestly, I think I'm going to go with Bo Bauer. He He really stepped up huge for me I always thought he was a little bit of a weakness out of our three linebackers but he he put those qualms to rest early and often he just seemed to be everywhere on the field uh, I think 12 tackles is what he ended with or 11 and he seemed to be our fastest linebacker and uh, wasn't even close and I'm really happy with the way he pursued and covered um, probably some faster guys but he was able to hold his own. And if all three of these linebackers can stay healthy, I mean, realistically, we're looking at probably the best linebacking core in the Big Ten. Absolutely. It, w- it was probably their best game collectively career-wise as well. Even Ben Neiman was all over the place. Those those three guys, it was, it was really good to see because the front four plugged the holes that they were supposed to and allowed those linebackers to kind of roam around and do what they ought to. And that was... It was quite impressive to see because I think everybody we've heard Phil Parker mention before how great he thought the the defensive front four was going to be. I think we all kind of wanted to see it before we believed it, but now you can kind of see how this defense is going to go along throughout this entire schedule. Are you a little bit worried though about the the safety play going into Iowa State week? Um, I know that Wyoming didn't really bolster the type of receiving core that Iowa State's going to throw at us. Did you see some good things from Jake Gervais, um, Josh Jackson? Obviously, we get Manny Ragumba back this week. What were your thoughts about the secondary? Oh, I thought Josh Josh Jackson played one heck of a game. He was everywhere. He, 
I think he really made uh, – there were certainly NFL scouts watching that game on account of Josh Allen, and I think he made his stock uh, rise with the way he played. Uh, I don't have his stats, but it seemed like he was on every single pass breakup. It reminded me a lot of – he just kind of shut down one side of the field. Um, Michael O.J. Moody, I don't remember his game as much. I don't recall the safeties really doing anything spectacular or unspectacular. The only thing I remember out of the secondary is Josh Jackson being thoroughly impressed by him. We're looking forward to see him play even more because he he plays in a different style than maybe Desmond King played. He's a little he's a little bit quicker and uh, just goes for the ball a lot more than maybe the big hicks. He's smaller than Desmond King. But he reminds me a little bit more of a, of a scrappier corner, maybe when we had Micah Hyde or like B.J. Lowry back there. I think sort of the sky's the limit for Jackson. I'm excited to see him play. I remember seeing somewhere that Jake Gervais got rated like an 85 by like pro football focus or something for his game. So that's encouraging. But uh, I mean, since we weren't, re- I, since I can't really recall how well they did, that's probably a good thing. Maybe like uh, you don't think of a lawn snapper unless he screws up. So that's that's my story. I'm going to stick with it with how the secondary played. Yeah, I, th- I think the only moment that we had like a safety or even a corner collapse was on that should have been touchdown that was dropped in the end zone that the the refs called a touchdown to start, which was an absolutely atrocious call, but uh, got reversed anyways in favor of the Hawkeyes. I don't know about you, Ben, but. I don't know the last time that I saw such great form tackling from an entire defense, let alone the secondary. Those guys, you could put that into a movie and show little kids on how to tackle. that. The form tackling, especially from Josh Jackson, was exceptional. That's exactly how you want to put, it, you know, put your helmet on the ball every single time it was it was like people on Twitter were even buzzing about it. And the fact that people on Twitter were noticing form tackling instead of something else like I guess that says it all in of itself right there yeah except for maybe the play where Josie Jewell had to come in and clean up I think it was one of the Nelsons had Josh Allen all the way wrapped up and couldn't finish but yeah very few missed tackles um very few missed assignments is about as clean as a game defensively as you could ask for and the defensive line they got to push every single play I think how many I think we ended with with three sacks that, that sounds right people you know they're hawking on him because Phil Parker had such high praise for them but I think uh, they played about as well as you can ask for a defensive line to play and I expect them to only get better from here on out I, I absolutely agree what um, any other closing you know closing thoughts concerns things that you noticed for the Wyoming game before we get into what we're calling facts week um you know not really i think we hit everything no really no concerns other you know the only concern i'd have is for the mentality of this team to come in cocky and thinking about all little brother and everything and us getting wiped by iowa state but i just don't see that happening happening um so my greatest concern really is mentality going into this game and i don't think uh, brian ference is going to let this team go in cocky I think he hates Iowa State more than anybody else in the world. And I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing Iowa end out this game against Iowa State with just blood dripping from their eyes. Ben, where are you originally from? Uh, I'm from Minneapolis. So I actually sadly grew up a Gopher fan going to Iowa, Minnesota sporting events. But I went to Iowa live in Chicago now. I am a Hawkeye through and through. I'm with you. I am. A, I think most of you know our readers know, but I'm not sure if people that have listened to this podcast know I am originally from the suburbs of Chicago. So Iowa, Iowa State to me is a lose-lose situation at this point, but we brought on one of our brothers from Iowa that writes for the site. We brought on JP and IC to kind of touch on the Iowa, Iowa State game, what it means as an Iowan. And we also tried to come up with a nickname for AJ Espinessa. So let's 
shoot on over to that and we'll come back after the break. We are now joined by JP in IC, the gift master himself. JP, what's going on? Just living the dream, Jerry. Just living the dream. But I guess more importantly, how are you doing? Are you uh, safe and sound and dry? What's going on with this hurricane business down in Florida, man? Safe and sound and dry for now. Um, It's going to be a game time decision on when the hell the mass exodus from Orlando is going to happen. We are waiting for the powers that be at my day job to let us know when we're supposed to basically close down and who can leave where. Um, but me being in a, the third story of an apartment building that is surrounded by basically marsh and nothing but ponds, uh, I'm about ready to get the hell out, especially if this thing's going to tear up the middle of the state. So yeah, it's going to be a hell of a time. I'm very excited. All the Publix and Walmarts are completely sold out of water and have been for three days now. So I think I'm going to just drive myself up to Philadelphia. <laughs> That sounds like a, a long drive, but uh, I think you know the most important thing is that you get there in time to catch this weekend's game. Sounds like you could have some trouble with reception down in Orlando this weekend, so make plans accordingly, buddy. Honestly, that's been the one thing that I've been thinking about. If this hurricane starts to happen and power goes out, what am I going to do on Saturday and Sunday with the start of the NFL season as well? And I need to win my fantasy matchup. So yeah, we're getting out of here. I just don't know when yet. Oh, we're going to take that fantasy matchup discussion offline. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott does not have me happy, buddy. I'm sure he doesn't. Well, let's get into the thick and the thick of things here. We have a football game between two in-state rivals this weekend, and being the dumb Illinois kid that I am, I don't understand why this is even a thing anymore. Um, so I need somebody with good perspective. Let's say a good old Iowa man that I think you are, trademarked, by the way. Why does this game matter? Why does it matter? Well, let me say this. It, it shouldn't. <clears throat> I saw some, some good stuff uh, on the website here earlier this week. Someone went through and, and looked back at kind of the analysis, and essentially it comes down to this. When Iowa State is terrible, which is most of the time, Iowa wins this game and wins it handily. When Iowa State is a mediocre team, it's a ball game. And uh, so, you know, this year, I think we're looking at an Iowa State team that could be close to mediocre. So maybe we're going to have a ball game. But um, I'm, I'm hoping for, you know, more of what we saw last year in, in the eastern half of the state, which is obviously where I've, I've grown up, spent my entire life. I, I guess, you know, I may have to change my name to JP in out east, but it's not really a thing except for this week. And I think um, Scott Dockerman did a, a nice piece on this and, and He's spot on, you know. Folks out here, even the Iowa State fans, don't really talk about this a whole lot. The Iowa State fans that happen to live in Iowa City, Cedar Rapids, um, this area, most of the ones I come across just kind of laugh about football and, you know, they're really into basketball. It sounds like, from what I can surmise, if you get to the center of the state, this is a big deal because you just get a little bit more mix of Iowa and Iowa State fans, and and all of a sudden, you know, people want to talk a big game. It really shouldn't be a thing. And let's be honest, this is really annoying as an Iowa fan to walk into this every year. So annoying. And and have the trash talk come and then add on to that the fact that if you win, everybody's just kind of like, meh. I mean, everybody wants to talk about the fake idea of Iowa. This is this is part of it. You have the fact that you have to play this game every year, limiting your options from a scheduling standpoint. And then if you do win it, you get no credit for beating a Power 5 team because, let's be honest, they're a borderline Power 5 team. You're always supposed to. So you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah, it, it is so frustrating. And, and again, if you lose, then you just get to deal with them talking. 
incessantly for a year and the countdown clock and all this other jazz that, that Matt Campbell wants to throw out there. Um, it's just, it's, it's annoying and it shouldn't be a thing, but it is. And, you know, I, I wish it wasn't. It's, it's interesting to me because I feel like this year more so than years past, there is more of a, a rivalry type atmosphere around it. And I think that has a lot to do with the both coaching staffs kind of throwing, you know, a little shade at each other. Your but boy, Brian Ferentz, adding fuel to the fire. He's he's the absolute best. I don't care what anybody has to say about the offense last week. He kept things close to the chest for this game, I think, on purpose. Like, there's no, there's no screens. There was, there was just a very limited amount of things that were going on, and I think he's going to open it up a little bit this week, but we'll get into that later. There just seems to be more of a rivalry here than there has been in a couple of years. Last year, Iowa just can't absolutely rolled over Iowa State. But do you think that there is going to be a little bit of the want and need to pay back that game last year in Iowa City? Oh, I, I definitely think there is. And, and, you know, we always talk about this being Iowa State's Super Bowl, and, and I don't know that it's necessarily their Super Bowl, but it's certainly the one that they've got circled on the calendar, apparently along with UNI, which they won, and, and what was it, Oklahoma State was the other one that, that Matt Campbell decided was really important for their students to show up to. So, you know, I, I definitely think that plays into it. You know, from the Iowa standpoint, I do kind of love that, that Brian Ferentz has played this up a little bit. You know, as an Iowa fan, there's nothing more frustrating than seeing what seems like Iowa taking things lightly going into this week and knowing how amped up that Iowa State always is and then coming out flat. Uh, we didn't see that last year. But we've seen it a number of times in the past, and I really hope that that's one thing that Brian can bring is a little bit of fire um, for this particular game, not because I want it to be a rivalry, but because if you just beat them down over and over again, maybe they stop coming back after a decade or so. We'll see. You know, if, if Iowa State is really going to play into this whole little brother thing, and, and again, they're not little brother because they're smaller, they're, they're little brother because of the way they act and, and you know the fact that they're quite a bit younger than Iowa in terms of uh, you know their program. Uh, and where they are in terms of success. So if they're going to play into that and really up the antics, acting like a bunch of 10-year-olds with their coaching staff, then, then I absolutely love that Brian Ferentz is going to say, you know what, we can do the same thing, but hey, we're, we're actually good at football too. Yeah, I hear you. You know what Matt Campbell kind of reminds me of right now as a Bears fan and that stupid Illinois kid that I was that I mentioned earlier? When Lovey took over the Bears back in the day, he said the one thing that matters first and foremost is that they beat the Packers. If they went 2-12 and 12, but beat the Packers both times, and that to him was a, a good season, I feel like this is very similar to what Matt Campbell is probably saying to his guys right now. Now, maybe not to that level. They probably obviously want to get to a bowl game, but as long as they somehow figured out a way to beat Iowa at home, that everything else of this season doesn't really matter. Well, and that's a little worrisome for me, but I mean it's definitely worrisome and, and I think I think you're kind of right. You know, he likes to talk about, you know, hashtag raise the standard. Um, well the standard's pretty damn low. And Boiler ran a, a great post yesterday talking about um, you know, the winning percentages of, of coaches over there, Matt Campbell doesn't have very far to raise the standard in Ames. So if he can win this game and like two more the rest of the year, he has hashtag raised the standard for the year. So I really do think, um, you know, it's definitely one they've got circled and it plays a big role in, in how they define success uh, at Iowa State. Absolutely. All right. Well, I wouldn't be doing my job then if I didn't ask you for your prediction. JP, what do you got? I am uh, nervous, buddy. I think I, I wrote about this a little bit Monday. Um, 
I'm, I'm hopeful for, for Brian Ferentz in the offense on the year. Uh, I listened a little bit to the Hawkeye Nation podcast, and those guys talked a little bit about this, and, and I think they were pretty spot on. I expect Iowa State to bring the heat and, and kind of try to follow in the footsteps of what Wyoming did, which is you know really load the box, try to make Nate Stanley beat them with the pass. I think he's physically capable, but it's still really early in the year, and uh, I think there's going to be some mental hiccups, and if those things turn into turnovers and, and put Iowa State in a position to score easily, um, that could spell big-time trouble for Iowa. The flip side is, is if they can actually get something going in the run game, you know, if they can get James Daniels and Boone Meyer back out there and, and physically impose their will on the Cyclones. And I think, you know, they can limit the number of possessions that Iowa State gets offensively where they can really do some damage in the passing game. Um, again, I touched on this Monday. I, I really don't love the, the thought of having Bo Bauer and Ben Neiman lined up against slot receivers or, God forbid, someone like Alan Lazard. That could be a major issue. So if you can limit their number of possessions by really grinding things out on the ground, hopefully make them make a few mistakes, get some turnovers of your own, then Iowa's in a good a good spot. But I'm definitely nervous. I'm going to still go with Iowa in this one, but I think it's um, one of those games where we're like sweating it out until the end. Um, I hope I'm wrong here, but I'm going to say Iowa will go 28-17, to 17, and I think they pull away well, late. You have Iowa covering handily because right now they are two-and-a-half-point favorites according to the site that I do most of my gambling on. So – um, I, I agree with you. It, I would like. I'm going to be very interested to see how often Phil Parker and Kirk Ferentz decide to go into the nickel, considering that Bo Bauer. We've seen that play before. We've seen that movie. It doesn't work out very well. Don't get me wrong. Ben Neiman, Bo Bauer, um, and the Outlaw had a great game last week, but I don't really want to see Bo Bauer in coverage all game long, especially against the weapons that Iowa State has on the outside. So um, it's definitely going to be the X factor. Um, and the Iowa defense is going to have a bigger test this week. Yeah, the quarterback isn't the same, and Josh Allen was definitely probably better than what Iowa State's putting out there, but the weapons on the outside are absolutely 100% better than what they saw against Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's, like I said, it's going to be close until late. Hopefully Iowa can pull away, but um, I don't feel great about it, and, and if we're being honest, the score is probably closer than I've predicted here, so... We'll see. We will see. Well, one thing I do know that you feel really, really good about is the fact that our boy, AJ Espinessa, deserves a nickname. And you and I have kind of gone back and forth on this. You have a great idea for a nickname that we all know that I fully support. So, Jonah, what is it? You're damn right, buddy. Um, so, as the uh, proud father of two, one of which being a toddler, I really don't watch any TV or movies with the exception of Disney Productions. So you're you're living in Orlando. You're basically in Disney World all day, every day. So I know you're on board with this too. The guy is a Polynesian god, and he really, he, he is a spitting image, X the hair, of Maui. So we need to work on this. You know, Jordan Taylor had, had the, great, the great nickname for Butler and Wadley Buttwad. I don't know that that's ever going to be topped. Um, the outlaw is pretty damn good too, but AJ Epinesa is Maui. So we need to make this happen. I mean, the guy came out in his first game with a sack on Josh Allen. I assume when he got up and was screaming like crazy, he was just yelling, you're welcome, which would be fantastic. If we can get him to like do that for his sack dance every time, that would be fantastic. We also need to work on him growing out that hair, you know, the hair, the bod, all that good jazz. So this needs to happen. 
AJ Epinesa if is now. We want you to be a demigod, AJ. So yes, the hair in the bod is super important for that. I I might do something special for the podcast if he comes out again this week and bull rushes his way to another sack. I might change the lyrics to You're Welcome to fit this because I'm already looking at the lyrics right now and you can easily just slide in Iowans for humans and you have like an amazing first line of that song already. So I might take a page out of that book and see if I can remix this bad boy. I'm already having visions of Iowa beating Minnesota on some AJ Epinesa sack and him saying, I'm going to need that boat. <laughs> that would be all too perfect. I'm in. Maui. That just Everybody just let's start trying. If AJ makes a play this week, send it to me and JP and IC. You can at JP and IC on Twitter. I'm at Jerry Sherwin. You literally just send us hashtag Maui, and let's get this thing rolling. Yes, and we, fits. we need to start some sort of a Kickstarter or something to uh, fund some new tattoos for AJ. we got to get that map of the victories he wins all over his uh, his arms there. There's some technology here in Disney that I might try to steal that can probably just project tattoos that move on his arms from the stand. So I'll see what I can do. We can just like attach it to the Children's Museum or the, the new Children's Center and yep. just have it just shooting down at him. Exactly. I love it. Yeah, let's do that. I'll work on that. Let's see what I can do. But JP, I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, we will talk with you soon, and we will get back to me, Ben. Thank you, JP and IC. I, it was great to finally hear somebody actually from Iowa agree with you and I, Ben. I think we kind of touched on this before we started recording the show that the Iowa-Iowa State game is somewhat of a lose-lose. Where are you at? with this i know you kind of talked about the mentality of iowa going into this game but where are you as far as what this means for the university of iowa football team my whole thing is the problem is we wouldn't be having this conversation if iowa state even had a pulse if they are even a six or seven or eight win team in the big 12 consistently this wouldn't be a problem at all but unfortunately they are arguably the worst team in a power five conference and have been for quite for longer than I've been an Iowa fan. And I'd love to say it's really important for office rivalries and with your neighbor and your cousins that went to uh, between the two schools for natives. But you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's a lose lose situation. Maybe Matt Campbell is a guy to get them into that six, eight win threshold. Isn't that like, that's sort of pathetic to say if they were even six wins this game would be meeting be meaningful but they're a three-win team they're a three-win program historically and uh if that could i think we're going to be playing iowa state for a while and honestly for the sake of iowa fans i hope they get on the on the right track i hope they get a good coach i hope they can be competitive in the big 12 and that should better happen soon because if the big 12 ever disbands iowa state's a mac team if we're being honest so they have got time time is running out and while i love how horrible you know our in-state rival is it's really better for both programs for them both to be competitive facts week it's straight up facts <laughs> week. got him so going into this game then where are you nervous then about what the iowa offense is going to look like against iowa state are you nervous that you know potentially they could just be loading the box up all day long and make nate stanley beat them what are you kind of anticipating on that end and does the iowa defense are they able with bo bauer in the four three are they able to shut down the receivers that you know the cyclones have um Am, am I terribly nervous? No. I think, sure, let, let, let them let Nate Stanley beat us because I'd love to see what he can do. And I think 
if he plays as well as he did against Wyoming, he, he can beat Iowa State. And, you know, mix in a couple of runs with play actions with Wadley or Butler, they still gonna, they're still going to have to respect the run. I, I just don't really see anything on offensive or defensive side of the ball being a huge problem. I realize Alan Lazard is a, a bit of a world beater. He's a really, really good receiver for Iowa State. But um, I don't think if Iowa can just double cover him or, I mean, I think Josh Jackson or Matty Ragumba can hold their own against him the way Jackson played last week, certainly. Um, just in my opinion, if we want to just keep on talking about facts, I think there's maybe, I think there's fewer than, uh, without knowing much about this Iowa state team, I think there's fewer than five players on Iowa state would start for Iowa and, and their, their best, uh, their best defensive player, Joel Lanning, he's a linebacker converted from quarterback. Would he even start in this linebacking core for Iowa? Like I just am really, the, the amount of talent we have over them is so great that if we did were to lose in any type of fashion would be so immensely disappointing that I don't know what I would do, honestly. You really jumped on the Bo Bauer bandwagon after one uh, week, Yeah, huh? you know, he, he showed a lot, you know. I, I am a little worried about him in coverage. I, I agree with you that his feet and his hips were a lot better than what we've seen from him in the past. Obviously, as he's a senior, he's he's got the experience under him as well. I'm curious to see if Phil Parker and Kirk Ferentz go into an any sort of nickel for a long while if Lazard gets free and they start, you know, looking like world beaters on the outside. I think they have the capabilities with Manny Ragumba, Josh Jackson, and I'm blanking on the third guy to be able to run a nickel defense against that. But I, I think you're right. The way the front four were able to, like I said earlier, plug the holes and let the linebackers roam free. That's going to be a huge cause for concern because let's not let's face it, Iowa State's line isn't anything greater than what Wyoming's was. Wyoming had a couple freshmen on the line. Then they should be able to do exactly what they did against Wyoming and come out with a victory. Yeah, I mean that's all you can hope for is play as well and hopefully much better than they did against Wyoming. I really am not horribly concerned. I mean. I know the score is pretty lopsided for, I mean, Iowa State beat Northern Iowa 42 to 24, but really look at possessions, it was even. You look at uh, rushing yards, it was pretty even. Uh, total yards, it was a 20 yard difference in Iowa State's favor. It was really turnovers, and Northern Iowa, uh, Northern Iowa threw three interceptions, and I believe two were in the red zone. Uh, that, that doesn't happen. We're looking at potentially a, a UNI win. And if Iowa can keep it clean, which is a huge, huge if, given how I think they had three or four turnovers against Wyoming, then it really shouldn't be a problem. And you know they're going to be preaching ball security all week long in practice. So I, if that mistake gets erased, and I think it will, uh, I'm looking at a we're looking at a pretty easy Iowa win, in my opinion. Yeah, we need Nate Stanley to go from Petey Jones to Sunshine uh, with the with the fumbling situation. Ben, I know that you and me share a common interest in gambling lines. So, what is the actual line that you just currently looked at before the start of the show for the Iowa Iowa State game? What are you laying, and what is your prediction for the final score of this one? So the line I'm seeing is Iowa minus three. I believe it opened at two or two and a half, depending on which book degenerate website you're looking at. But, you know, I think that's a little disrespectful. Um, three points. I mean, come on, you're kidding me. Uh, I project, I predict if I was winning, it's going to be more than three by more than three. Uh, I think it's going to be a double digit win uh, at the least. I know. And if you know, most people around me, you guys probably even know it. I'm a pessimist. I kind of love to hate on Iowa sports at times. And I just am feeling so good about this Iowa State game better than I felt 
in an Iowa, for an Iowa game in a long, long time. <clears throat> that being said, we can talk about the over-under if you want. It's at 48. I'm horrible at overs and unders. Uh, I never take them. That just tell that seems a little low to me, honestly, given what was the score of last year's game? 40, 40 to 8, 40 to 10. Iowa scored. I realize Iowa State's maybe not as bad as they were last year, but I think given what their offense can do and what I, I was off, what both these offenses can do, I think 48 is a little bit on the low end. I'd love to see, you know, a 50 to nothing. I will win. Sure. And they cover the over there. But right now, my biggest thing I'm laying is Iowa minus three. And that's honestly one of my favorite things I'm seeing across the board. So I already got it in. I'm a big MyBookie fan. They are not somebody that is sponsoring this podcast, but they have treated me well through the last year and a half. And I locked them in early at giving two and a half. And just to have that that kicker right off the bat, all they have to do is win by a field goal and I'm good to go. Like like you said, it's, it's disrespectful to the Hawkeyes that they're only two and a half, three point favorites. I know that they're going to Iowa State, but let's face it, guys. Like your three-win team that we're going to go play, I'm a little worried about the the receiving threat. But at the same time, they got to have a quarterback that's able to get that ball to the receivers, and I'm not sure that they're going to be able to do that with the defense that we saw this week. In terms of 48, I didn't see that. I am all over 48 taking the over. That seems low. I'm in this week saying that Iowa is going to win 30 to 24. I do think it's going to be a little bit closer. I think both offenses might be able to find a way to score. But even then, I have Iowa covering. I have the banger on the over. I love both of those. I might even parlay both of those into another bet. You know we love a good parlay here at the pants. I know you have a couple others sitting on your notebook right now. What else do you have around the Big Ten or even college football this week to give our listeners a little bit of touch of the gambling? So nothing that's really jumping out at me like last week. Um, Last week, I all over Michigan minus four at Florida. That was free. Uh, I was also all over Florida State plus seven, so don't at me. But um, (laughs) I made that mistake. too. uh, My biggest thing jumping out is Illinois is getting seven and a half points at home against Western Kentucky. I know nothing about Western Kentucky. And all I know about Illinois is they are bad. B-A-D, bad. Uh, I can't imagine a team losing by that much at home to uh, is it Western Kentucky or what, what 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 conference are they in? Are they one double A? I have I have no idea. Great question. Um, so I'd like to think Illinois can just out talent them. They got a coach that went to a Super Bowl. I mean, isn't that good enough for three points right there? Uh, I, and I really don't want to bet on Illinois, but it's just kind of you know jumping at me. Um, another one I'm seeing is Rutgers. They're minus five and a half against, uh, let's see, Eastern Michigan. Uh, when was the last time Rutgers was favored in a game? I, I love Eastern Michigan, didn't they? They played, I'm pretty sure, in their MAC title last year. I can't remember. Maybe not. But I love them getting five and a half points. Again, very little research is being done here. Another one that's jumping out on me is Minnesota plus two at Oregon State. Oregon State is absolutely horrible this year. I think they're the worst team in the Pac-12. And as much as I hate on Minnesota, I love money more. I love them getting two points at Oregon State. And um, that's sort of it. Penn State is minus 21 and a half against Pitt. It is at home, but Pitt beat them last year. And I know people love Penn State and their explosive offense, and they just shelled. I think they played Akron or Temple or somebody, uh, like, and they won like 50 to nothing in week one. But, uh, you know, Pitt's always a little bit feisty. They don't have Peterman this year. But that's still a game to keep an eye on. And then my last one is I am a bit of a Georgia fan. Uh, I've got family there and some family who grew up there. And they are plus four at Notre Dame. Now Georgia's quarterback is out. But Notre Dame had four wins last year. So 
I'll probably just blindly take Georgia there too. I love it. For our listeners that are into teasers, if your bookie allows you to do it or if your website does, I'm kind of taking what you said. I would love to tease Illinois up to 13 and a half, tease Western Michigan against Michigan State up to 13, and tease that Oregon line down to giving eight to Nebraska. Mike Riley, I think I saw today, is like six for... I don't know, 11 against Oregon. Yeah, they won last year in a barn burner. I think Oregon's out for blood. That's my three-team teaser for everybody out there that's looking to put a little I love money that. on I else. didn't. I wrote down Oregon-Nebraska, but I mean, are we even sure that game's going to get played? Everything I'm seeing is uh, some forest fires are causing some catastrophic uh, air conditions out in Oregon, and they might not be able to play the game. I have no idea about anything about the weather other than the fact that Irma <laughs> is crashing down on me, so that yeah. might be the case. Guys, forest fires. What did we learn yep, when we were younger? Yep, 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 yeah, I know Oregon's practicing like an hour south this week because the weather's so bad in Eugene. Oh, that makes me a little nervous then. I still tease them down. Yeah, take, give it'll be void if the game isn't played anyway, yeah. Exactly. All right, Ben, anything else you want to touch on before we say goodbye for this week? Um, you know, no, nothing really. It's great to be a Hawkeye. I'm really looking forward to the latest installment of the Cyhawk Trophy. Hate week, facts week, whatever you want to call it. This uh, this kind of rivalry is what sports are all about. It's what college football makes the best sport on earth. And uh, I just can't wait until Saturday. Well said. You guys, you can all find you can find everything Hate Week, Facts Week over at Blackheart Gold Pants. We have done a ton between figuring out who we power ranked all of Iowa State's coaches. We have a mailbag that's dropping tomorrow. We have the picks coming from the entire staff. Head on over to Blackheart Gold Pants. Check out what we got going on this week. You can also follow Ben at RenBoss23, and you can follow me at Jerry Sherwin. For everybody at Blackheart Gold Pants, it's great to be a Hawkeye. Go Hawks. We'll see you next week. Bang, bang.